Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. All right, now open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. Now I'm going to read verse 35 through 43. I've got several passages I've got to read from. So I begin reading verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he sat under the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Now notice verse 37. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why make you this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. They laughed at him. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them, and you know who that was, that was Peter, James, and John, that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was a the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. He charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Alright. Then we'll turn over to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17. I begin reading with verse 1. And after six days Jesus taketh who? Peter, James, and John. There's those three names again. He taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun. That had to be an awesome sight. Yeah. And his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, that is Elijah, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, 
one for Moses and one for Elias. And while they yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were so afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. <clears throat> and when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Now, one more passage. Turn to Matthew chapter 26. Now I begin reading with verse 36. <clears throat> then cometh Jesus with them <clears throat> unto a place called Gethsemane. That's the garden of Gethsemane. And he said unto the disciples, sit you here while I go and pray yonder. And here's that same phrase again, verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tell you here and watch with me. And I'll not take time to read all this, but you read here where that. Jesus prayed three times here in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, uh, but the thing I wanted you to really notice in all three of these passages was every time he went to one of these particular places, he took Peter, James, and John. We call that the inner circle. Three. Then there was a circle just outside of that, the twelve apostles. These were three apostles, but they were three out of the twelve. And then there was the seventy. Jesus sent seventy out on one occasion. And they went out and preached the gospel. And then you read of five hundred in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, there were five hundred of Jesus' followers that saw him after he rose from the dead at one time at that. You and I have a choice of living in one of these circles. Which one do you want to be in? If you live in the circle, the inner circle, then you will see and hear things that no one outside that circle will ever see and hear. I'm telling you, it is a privilege and an honor to live in the circle. And why live out here when you could live in here. 
See, and Jesus then time there was only three that lived in that circle. But since he died on the cross and was buried and raised for our justification and the Holy Spirit has come, yes. now any yes, Christian, any believer can live in that circle if they want to bad enough. But that's it, if they want to bad enough. See, we don't have to live out here on the fringes. We can live in this inner circle. That's where I want to live, folks. But all my heart, that's where I want to live. Is in that inner circle. Let me have a brief word of prayer with you. I'm going to bring this message. <clears throat> now, Father, our God in heaven, Father, it's so good to be here. Father, I want to thank you and praise and magnify you and glorify you. <clears throat> How great. How great thou art, how good, how glorious, how awesome thou art. God, you ever thank God the Bible said you are. You're great and greatly to be praised. Oh, God, again, thank you for saving our souls. Oh, God, thank you for this church. Thank for these, our precious brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank for this dear pastor and his family. God, thank for giving Brother Jonathan our kindred spirit. Oh, God, thank you for these beautiful facilities. Thank you for this good number, God. Thank you. Continue to bless this church. In Jesus' name, God. Please, again, I beg you to see to it that everybody's come get spiritual help. Please meet with us now. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm preaching with the help of God this morning on the inner circle. That's what I'm preaching on. The inner circle. You might say, when I preach you got to remember something. I'm not an apostle. Well, I'm not either. There are no apostles now. This Bible makes it clear and plain that there are, no, there are no apostles since the apostles in Jesus' day and time. We got one over in Greenville. He's not there anymore. He used to pastor that Redemption World Center, or whatever you're going to call it. And he called himself an apostle. No, no, no. No, no, no. No apostles. No apostles. But you don't have to be an apostle to live in that inner circle. I mean, look who was in it. When you see who was in Christ's inner circle, then you realize there's hope for you. Yes, sir. Say, so you say, well, now wait a minute. You got to remember something other. Peter, James, and John was handpicked by the Lord. Yes, I know that. He appointed them, made them apostles. I realized that. I certainly realized that. But have you ever done a study on Peter, James, and John's life? If you did, then you came to the conclusion that, hey, there may be, there may be hope for me after all. Yes, sir. I might get in that inner circle after all. Because... Look at Simon Peter. 
Man, look how vacillating he was. Simon Peter, you never, you never knew what he was going to say next. You never knew what he was going to do next. Somebody said he had hoof and mouth disease, always getting his foot in his mouth. <laughs> and he was. He was always following the dictates of his heart without waiting on his laggard reason. He would do before he would think. And it got him in hot water again and again. Simon Peter, you got to remember Simon Peter is the one who actually rebuked our Lord on one occasion. Really? Yes. Read that. Over there in Matthew 16, I believe it is. Jesus said he must go up to Jerusalem and suffer many things. The chief priests, the elders, the scribes, and, you know, be crucified. And Simon Peter said, be it far unto thee, Lord. This shall not happen unto thee. And actually what it means in Mark's gospel, they actually took Jesus by the hand and thought, put him away from the crowd. Man, that sounds just like Simon Peter. Peter, you got your nerve to do this, to grab your master by the hand and thought pulling him away. Who do you think you are? But that was just like Simon Peter, see. And then on one occasion you find where Simon Peter actually cut a man's ear off. And I think you meant to cut his head off. And uh, remember, he grabbed the sword there in the Garden of Gethsemane and he swung at that man. And I think what happened is, I think the man did like that. And when he did, then he missed his neck and caught his ear. But I really believe he meant to take his head off. See? And yet he's in that inner circle. And Jesus chose him to be in the inner circle in spite of the fact that Jesus knew that one day he would curse, he would swear, yes. and he would even deny that he knew the Lord. In the Garden of Gethsemane, what did Simon Peter do? He went to sleep along with the rest of them when Jesus had watched him pray. And so... <clears throat> So Simon Peter, he was not that sanctimonious, yet he was in that inner circle. Yes. So I think me and you are without excuse for not being in that inner circle. Yeah. Then look at, look at James and John. We say, yes, James was that disciple whom Jesus loved. He was that disciple whom Jesus uh, entrusted with the care of his mother, Mary. And uh, yes, but did you know that James and John were called the sons of thunder? They had a lot of lightning and thunder about them. For example, on one occasion when Jesus was going through Samaria, those people there in Samaria did not receive him. And so James and John said, Wilt thou that we command fire to come down out of heaven and consume them? Yeah. Jesus said, "Ye know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. See? So they want to call down fire to heaven and destroy the people. And then you find also where James and John wanted to sit on the, one on the right hand, one on the left hand. Well, fellas, has it ever occurred to you that them other Ten disciples might have wanted to sit on the right hand and left hand too. 
See, so they were somewhat selfish, self-centered. Yes, sir. But in spite of this, Peter, James, and John was in a, in a circle. Yes, sir. And this reminds me of Hebrews chapter 11. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 11, you find some folks in Hebrews 11 that were not that sanctimonious neither. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Abraham's in there and he lied. Yeah. Noah's in there and believe it or not, after he preached 120 years, built the ark during that time and was spared in the flood, got off the ark and of all things got drunk. That's in your Bible. And he's in Hebrews 11, faith hall of fame. See. And then you find others in there. Look at David. David's in there. David committed an awful sin, the sin of adultery. And uh, Moses in there. And Moses, he lost his temper and smoked the rock when God said, speak to it that second time, that is, you know. And uh, then of all, of all people, Jacob was in there. You know what a crook he was. Jacob, he was always conniving and always cheating and lying and trying to beat somebody out of, somebody else out of something. And yet Jacob is in Hebrews 11. He's in there. So you see, we're without excuse for not being in this circle right here. Besides, we're on this side to cross, they were on the other side. Right. Yes, sir. We got a whole lot more going for us than they had going for them. Right. They were under the dispensation of the law. We're under the dispensation of grace. Yes, sir. Yes. You know, one of the best definitions God's ever showed me of grace is this. And we'll deal with this more this evening. The service this evening. The grace of God is not just God's favorable attitude towards us. It's God's fervent activity on our behalf. In other words, the grace of God is active, not passive. The grace of God works. So if you see, if you get a handle on this, you see you're under grace, then you realize, hey, grace gives me the desire to obey God and then gives me the ability, the power to obey God. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, you don't get that on the law. Come on, preacher. You get that on the grace. Amen. See, this, this Christian life's a wonderful life if you and I can just get a handle on the grace of God. But coming back where we were, who can blow the sin of circle then? You and I can. Secondly, how do we get into the center circle? First of all, it must be a hunger and thirst. You don't get in here by accident. You got a want in there. <clears throat> See, that's Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. A lot of people are not filled. A lot of people are not in that inner circle. Why? They don't want to be in there bad enough. That's right. They're not hungry. They're not thirsty. 
God said, I'll pour water upon him, the thirsty floods upon the dry ground, Isaiah 44. The psalmist said in Psalm 42, verse 1, as the heart, that's a little dear, painteth after the water, but so painteth my soul after thee, O God. Psalm 63, verse 1, the psalmist said, my soul thirsteth for God. Jeremiah 29, 13, God said, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with what? All your heart, see. Yeah. Yeah. Are you searching for God with all your heart? See, the hunger and the thirst. Oh, we need that hunger and thirst, folks. I never forget. Talk about hunger and thirst. I'll never forget the time, and I'll deal with this some more probably this evening, that I got so hungry and thirst, I pushed the plate back. I said, I'm not eating another bite until God does something for me. And during those days of fasting and praying was when God began to show me what I'll be preaching on this evening. But I want to relate another time that I may not have shared with you when I was here before. I certainly hadn't preached this message here before. Not long after God saved me, I'd been saved about one year. They had a crusade in Turner County. They had Aspen, Georgia, about 40 miles from where I grew up. That's down there in South Georgia. They put up a huge tent. It was a Baptist meeting, and the preacher preached the meeting preached the revival that I got saved in at Harmony Baptist Church down there uh, about a year before that. And so, so I went to some of the services in that meeting. And one night, he got up and preached and boy, the power of God came down. And I went to the altar. I went down to where they had an altar, you know, and got down on my knees in those wood shavings, and I prayed. I just poured my heart out to God. I just was so hungry and thirsty. See, see, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I mean, that prayer came from way down in here. Man, I'll never forget that. And I never prayed a prayer like that before. And I've not prayed a prayer like that since. And by the way, I prayed in English. I want to make that clear and plain. <laughs> I didn't get down there and, and go, nah, nah, bah, bah, <clears throat> I didn't get down and do that. I don't know why some of these people want to speak in tongues anyway when they can't control the one they got. <laughs> but I got down and prayed and I prayer just seemed like it came from way down in here. So when we got up and the service was over, you know how people hang around and talk and that's what we was doing and I got to notice that something was happening on inside. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Something was happening on inside. Then then there was two preachers, you know, one of them a little older than I am, one younger than I am came up to me and said, Let's go down yonder where all the young people hang out down there where they buy their hamburgers and hot dogs and get the 
milkshakes and cokes and one thing or another and get them to come to this meeting. I said, let's go. And so we jumped in my car. I'm driving. And there's three good Christian ladies got in the back seat. Three of us preachers in the front seat. So we're headed down the road going to Aspen. And I'm telling you, what was happening on the inside kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Have I told this here before? I hadn't, okay. It got bigger and bigger. And, I, and I'm not exaggerating. And uh, then I started arguing with God because I saw something was going to happen I'd never done before. I said, God, you, you don't mean you're going to make me shout in front of these people, do you? <laughs> uh, he didn't pay me no mind. He just kept filling me up. And by the time we got to the red light there in Aspen, I could hold it no longer. Yeah. Man, I started shouting, and once I started shouting, then I couldn't get stopped. <laughs> I must have shouted for two hours. I know mine was real, because most people try to work theirs up, I was trying to work mine down. <laughs> but I wouldn't have a bit of luck at that. <clears throat> but once I started shouting, man, I didn't care who heard me. I shouted for probably, like I said, around two hours. But anyway, when we got around there where all those young people were, and there were a lot of people there. And it was one of those places where you had the concession stand over here and uh, where you could get your food and drinks. And, and then all out here, you had tables and chairs, but it was... It was uh, kind of open air. In other words, you could come in from any angle. You, angle, you just walk on there and sit down at the table, you know, and you could eat. So it was easy for us to get in there where them people were. When I got out of the car, I didn't plan this, but I was so full, I didn't even know that I was hardly in the world. I mean, if I was in another world. I jumped out of the car and started running towards them folks. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. And others was following me. And there's part of them what in the world is he fixing to do? I ran out of there so hard, so fast, I know them people's eyes probably nearly popped out of their head. And I went running up to one of those tables and I fell on my knees before I got to the table and I was running so fast till I just slid up to the table. And when I did, I remember what I said, and that's been, oh my, that's been over 50 years ago. I said, oh God, move in. Oh God, move in. Oh God, move in. And he did. <laughs> the power of God fed in there so strong. I'm telling you what, you could hear cars going in every direction. <laughs> When I opened my eyes, there was nobody in there but us. I mean, even the manager left. He locked up the concession stand and they were gone. The power of God fell in there so thick, I tell you, I would love to be able to talk to some of the people that were there yeah. to this day and see if they remember that. And I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. I'm telling you, 
if we're going to get in this inner circle, we're going to have to want it. We're going to have to have a hunger and thirst. A hunger and thirst. Well, let me hear. How do we get in? Hunger and thirst. Secondly, there must be surrender. Must be surrender. Raise the white flag of surrender. See. I've heard, you've heard that phrase, let go and let God. Let go, that's surrender. Let God, that's faith. See. Let God do it. But it must be surrender. Surrender. You got to take your hands off your life, lay your life at the feet of Jesus. And like, you, like your pastor was saying earlier, say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Thy will be done. See, surrender. I remember not long after I got saved, I remember Brother Ray Brown. Now, there's two Ray Browns. This may be not the one you know. This, this one's already in heaven, I think. He's not the younger man, which is really not a young man now. He's probably nearly my age, this other Ray Brown. But anyway, there was a great preacher by the name of Brother Ray Brown. And he preached a lot on crossing that Jordan River going over in Canaan. He preached a lot on victorious Christian living, the spirit-filled life. And he did a series at a church in South Georgia. And I got to go one night. And the night I went was the night that he brought everybody up to the Jordan River, you know, so to speak. And gave them a chance to cross over. And I remember there was one young lady down there in that altar weeping and crying. Boy, she was a weeping and crying. And then finally, boy, she crossed over. And she began to praise God and rejoice. And uh, then she testified and told the reason why she had had such a hard time trying to surrender to God. She said, a good friend of mine went to Africa as a missionary a long time ago now. And she was martyred. She was killed on the mission field. And she said, that kept me from surrendering. She said, I was scared to death that if I surrendered, that God would have me to go to the mission field, to go to Africa, you know. And uh, so, finally though, she got willing. Finally she surrendered. And when she did, over in the Canaan, she went. In other words, when she surrendered, she went into that inner circle. Must be a hunger and thirst. Must be surrender. Then thirdly, must be faith. See, Paul said in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe. Must what? Believe. Must believe that he is, and that he's the reward of them that diligently seek him. So there must be faith. See, see we must surrender, but then we got to believe. Yes, sir. Yes, see, must be faith. Then let me hurry. Next of all, what will keep you and I out of this inner circle? There's some things will keep you out, and some of this will be repetitious, but they taught me when I was in school that repetition is good. That's one of the ways you help get people to get it. Number one, what will keep you out of this inner circle? Prayerlessness. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're right. See, the Bible plainly says, Luke 11, 13, Jesus said, if he been evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall heaven the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Yes. That what? Ask him. Yes, sir. That verb that ask is habitual, continuous tense in the Greek text, which is uh, you just keep on asking. Yes, sir. See? In other words, today's filling won't do for tomorrow's filling. Tomorrow's filling won't do for the next days. I get up each morning, I say, oh God, fill me the Holy Spirit of God for today. Fill me the power of God. Yes, See. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after after for they shall be filled. Protestants will keep you out of that inner circle. Then here's another one, fear. Fear. Fear will keep you out of the circle. You read over there in Hebrews 3 and 4. You read about the Hebrew children when they came to Cadus Barnea. It was on an 11 days journey from Horb to Cadus Barnea. They spent 40 years making an 11 day journey. Wandered in that wilderness, wandered in that wilderness. And the Bible tells exactly the reason why. Because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. They didn't believe God. The Bible says in Hebrews 3 and 4 that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And that brings me to a third thing that will keep you out, and that's fear. Fear. You remember when those 12 spies went and spied out the land and they came back and 10 of them said in essence, it's everything that God says it is. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It is a good land. And then they had the proof of it. They had a cluster of grapes and this is in your Bible. I'm not making this up. Those grapes were so big, that cluster was so huge until they carried it on a pole with a man on each end. Yes, sir. Man, them grapes must have been the size of softballs. <laughs> but anyway, coming back where we were, it was a land truly of abundance. Yes, sir. But then they didn't stop there. They went on to say, but the sons of Anakin over there. Yes, sir. There's giants in that land. And the cities are walled up to heaven. And we're grasshoppers in their sight. And they said, we be not able. They was afraid to go over there and face them. But boy, that was not the mindset that Joshua and Caleb had. Joshua and Caleb said, we be well able. Yes, sir. And you and I well able to. Why? Because of God. That's the reason why. Yes, sir. That's right. We can do anything, everything God wants us to do because God lives on the inside of us and God can do anything. Yes, the God that your pastor was talking about this morning. In the beginning, God. Yes. That God who created all that out there, that same God lives inside of me and you. I've been doing a lot of studying here lately on the existence and attributes of God. I do that periodically. That's one of the most rewarding studies I've ever done.
I mean, you can't talk about, you can't, listen, you can't study about, read it enough on God. You can't, I mean, the more you get to know God, the more you're going to love him. And the more you love him, the more you're going to obey him, the more you're going to trust him. But all starts with knowing God, see. But I'm telling you, the God who created all of that, that same God is willing to live on inside of me and you. <coughs> that staggers my imagination. Yes, sir. My, my. But anyway, here's another thing that keep you and I out of this inner circle here. And that's a big one, things. Things. It's not wrong with you having some things, but it's wrong for things to have me and you. Say, the Bible says a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Say, there's nothing wrong with you having a hobby, but it's wrong for the hobby to have you. Say, there's nothing wrong with you going deer hunting, going fishing, but some people, that's all they live for. I remember I was preaching in a church over at Lancaster, South Carolina back years and years ago. Back when Brother Terry Norris was the pastor there. He's pastor in Kentucky now. But anyway, I was preaching and while I was preaching, there's a man on the second pew on this side. Stood up while I was preaching, weeping and crying. And he said, I, I'm going to give up my deer rifle. And I thought, what in the world? And then he told why. He said, all I want to do is deer hunt. Well, <clears throat> well, he'd be better off if he did give it up if that's all he does. Yeah. See? See, I've always enjoyed having a hobby or two or three or a half dozen or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but by the grace of God, I'm not letting that stuff control me. No. And when Sunday comes around, I'm not going to be in the deer stand. And I'm not going to be out on a lake with a 300 power mercury motor and a bunch of fishing rods. No, when Sunday comes around, I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be in church. <clears throat> By the way, I ain't never killed a deer. I've tried. <coughs> I've tried. I heard about one fellow so nervous. He said when the deer comes in sight, he said he starts shooting. He said when the deer goes out of sight, he's still shooting. <laughs> if I were to tell you who that is, you'd know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I won't. Yes, poor fellow. There's a cat on a hot tin roof. <laughs> then here's a big one. What will keep you out of the inner circle? Say it. Say it. <clears throat> Folks. We can't live in here with unconfessed sin in our life. So true. So true. 
The psalmist said, if I regard a negative in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The Bible says, ye that love the Lord hate evil. If you dwell in here, you have to leave your sins out here. So true. You have to turn from them. A lot of people would like to live in here, but they can't. Why? They got a drinking problem. Or they got a dope problem. <laughs> Some people can't live in there because they haven't learned how to control their eyes. They're watching stuff on television they shouldn't be watching. Or they have some magazines between the mattresses that they shouldn't have there. The Bible says make no provision for the flesh to fulfill it and lust thereof. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Other. If you don't learn how to control this body, yeah. learn how to control your flesh, it's going to control you. And it'll do more than control you. It'll ruin you. Yeah. Your flesh will ruin you. Oh, God help. I beg God every day to help me. To stay out of sin. One of the things I pray daily is I pray, oh God, please help me, God, to do nothing to offend you. And we do always those things which please you. See, sin offends God, greatly offends God, God hates sin. No wonder it was sin that nailed his son to the cross. And why do we want to be committing the very thing that crucified Jesus? And that's sin. Let me hurry up and get on. Last of all, last point now. What was the result of being in the sun of circle? What was the result? Well, we'll go back first to when Jesus took the three with him into the house where that little 12 year old girl had deceased. The Bible says he took Peter, James, and John with him. They walked in that house, and boy, they got the shock of their life because Jesus raised that girl from the dead right before their eyes. Nobody outside the inner circle got to see that except, of course, the girl's daddy and mama. See, you'll see and hear things in that inner circle that nobody else will hear and see. Nobody else. So they got to hear Jesus say, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. They got to see something of the power of his word. Boy, you really want to want this Bible to speak to you? You really want to know something of the power of this book? Then get in this yes, sir. inner circle. I'm telling you, this book will speak to you like it's never spoken before. Because it's alive. The Bible says, Word of God is quick, powerful, sharp, and into it just so the word quick that means alive. This book's alive. It's full of life, and if you really read it and study it, you'll be full of life. Yes, sir. See. So <clears throat> then next of all. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him up on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. There. 
upon that mountain. Boy, you talking about seeing things and hearing things that none of the rest of them saw and heard. They got to see Jesus' countenance completely altered. Yes, sir. You're right. They saw his face. His face became as bright as the noonday sun. And his clothing too. Yes, sir. They got to see that. Nobody else got to see it. Shine. Just them three. Then furthermore, they got to see Moses and Elijah. Yeah. Two of their heroes. Boy, those Jews, they really... They really highly esteemed Moses and Elijah. You read on one occasion where those Pharisees said, we be Moses' disciples. That helps you see what they thought about Moses. And then Abraham was called the friend of God. He was called the father of the faithful, the friend of God. Amen. Yes. Amen. They were two pillars, see, in the nation of Israel. And here... Peter, James, and John, since they were in that inner circle, they got to see Moses and Elijah. No one outside that service got, outside that circle got to see that but them. That's right. And then a cloud came down. And I believe that was a Shekinah glory. And they heard a voice out of that cloud that no one outside that circle heard they heard God himself say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You want to hear from God? You want to hear the voice of God to you? Get in that circle right there. Yes, sir. I'm telling you, that circle is a circle full of reality. Then something else happened. When uh. When that cloud departed, Jesus was still there with them. He didn't leave while that cloud was upon those in the inner circle. And then the Bible tells us they went down the mountain. And when they got to the bottom of the mountain, the rest of the apostles was down there trying to cast one little old demon out of a child. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Boy, if they had been in that inner circle and got to see what Peter, James, and John saw, I bet they could have cast that demon out of that child. So by way of conclusion, folks. No, wait a minute. I got one more in the garden. He took Peter, James, and John with him in the garden. He left the other eight apostles there right on the fringes of the garden and I said eight I didn't say nine because Judas you know he went out and hung himself but here's the other eight they just barely are in the garden but he taketh Peter James and John and he went further and he fell on his face and again they got to see and hear things that the others didn't get to see and hear they got to hear the Lord Jesus himself pray like never man ever prayed before in that garden. 
they heard Jesus when he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. They saw that. They saw his surrender, even to the death of the cross. They saw that. They heard him pray. I'm telling you, there are some things that you'll see in here in this circle that you won't see in here, out here in these circles. So by way of conclusion, I want to ask you, which one of these circles do you want to live in? It could be there's somebody out, could be there's somebody here out here. Not in any of the circles. In other words, lost. Jesus loves you and died for you. Won't you come down here and get saved? Let Jesus, let Jesus save you. Why live out here though when you can live in here? Yes, sir. So by way of conclusion, why don't you just come get in this altar this morning and say, oh God, I want to live in that inner circle. God, I want to be in there where Jesus is so real, where the action is, where things are happening. God, I, I want to be in that inner circle. Help me to get in the inner circle.